Welcome, welcome. As Terry mentioned, we're cruising through the series on legends. And if you hear the first uh, session, uh, Pastor Terry mentioned that we're kind of continuing on in chapter 11 of Hebrews. Well, chapter 12 of Hebrews begins with, therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we trust that we can learn from the legends in the Bible and also the legends in in, uh, church history. We can learn good things and we can learn bad things. And we can learn from that, and then we can run the race that God's beset before each one of us uh, with confidence. Our legend tonight, drum roll please, (laughs) is Augustine or Augustine. It depends on on where you live. In, In the United States, it's Augustine. In the European countries, it's Augustine. Tonight, I'm going to try to stay with Augustine, okay? If I flip back and forth, my apologies. Perhaps you've never heard of that name before. Maybe. Never. But chances are you have read or heard something that he written. Love the sinner, hate the sin. You guys have heard that before, right? The truth, referring to the Bible, is like a lion. You don't have to defend it. Let it loose and it will defend itself. Pray as though everything depends on God. Work as though everything depends on you. You've heard these, right? Augustine was born in November 13th, 354 A.D. in Thagasti, which is modern-day Algeria, which is in northern Africa. Right around where that, where that uh, green star is, is where Thagasti is. And his father... Patricius was a pagan, was a bad influence um, to Augustine. He was a womanizer. He was violent. He worked in Thagaste as a low-level government position. Monica, his mother, was a Christian, and she was a good influence on Augustine, and she did her best that she could to influence the family to Christian values. But she struggled tremendously with the husband, which was a womanizer, which was violent, and it was an arranged marriage. So Patricius was probably 38 to 40 years old. Monica was in her late teens, early 20s when they were married. And if that wasn't enough, they they lived with Patricius' mother, Okay, so they had all that family struggle. But she was faithful. And, and her faithfulness was actually noted. And Santa Monica, California is actually named after Monica. And I thought that was very interesting. Uh, her faithfulness was noted in a journal of a Franciscan explorer monk as he was traveling the coastline. And he saw all the flowing water, and he wrote in his journal that the flowing water reminded him of St. Monica's tears for her wayward son. Augustine was wayward, and we'll get into that in a little bit. When Santa Monica's founders heard the story, they liked it, and that's how they named Santa Monica um, after her. Augustine was uh, never married. Now, before his conversion, before his conversion, 
Augustine was known for his, his rhetoric, his ability to speak and to write and to persuade people. He had knowledge of philosophy, astrology, the study of the movement of the stars, law, poetry, and anything that caught his attention. He was just an active learner. He loved to learn, and he loved to just research things. Augustine, though, excelled in public discourse. Augustine was a master communicator, debater, and a prolific writer. Which reminds me of this scripture, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his tongue or his lips is wise. After his conversion, he's known as a theologian. He could pick apart scripture like nobody else. His ability to dig through the scriptures and tear them apart is, is in a lot of ways is unmatched. His theory on time as God being out of the time continuum is still being um, studied uh, today. And Augustine lived 1,600 years ago. He wrote a hundred books. I, I just like to write one. <laughs> 300 letters. Now these letters he wrote, and they're still on file where you can look them up. He wrote them to various people um, say, stating his opinions or answering questions. 500 recorded sermons. And at that time, and even today, his opinion was, was valued. Two of the most famous books, still in print, you could, you could buy them tonight if you wanted to, is Confessions and the City of God. Confessions is by most considered the first autobiography. It was written by him 10 years after he was uh, saved. It describes his life, his failures, and how he came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. I, I have gone through that book, and it is a, it's a short book, and it's a, it's a good read. The City of God is, and I have went through a lot of that book, but not all of it. That's a thousand-page book. But what, what, the reason he wrote that book is because when Rome fell, who did they blame? The Christians. So it's because of the Christians not worshiping the pagan gods. So Augustine goes through this great explanation saying, no, that's not true. Rome had problems before when, we, when they served pagan gods. And he laid out how it's the moral decay of the society that's making them fall. And he, he set up this, this thing where you see the city of God, it's temporary. The city of God, it's eternal. The city of this world, any city, it's going to fail. The city of God will last forever. The cities of this world are moral, and they're going to they're, they're decay. The city of God will never decay, and they're, like I said, eternal. As a famous bishop... A lot of people sought his opinions, and this is where, um, you know, uh, and we'll get more into that in a little bit. Let's, let's go into his conversion, and it was a 20-year process. This right here, him sitting under a fig tree, this, this uh, picture, is 20 years Later, and let, let me take you through how long it, it took him to get to him being under a uh, under a fig tree, crying out to God. Think of Augustine as the smartest kid in the classroom. And he knew it. Everything just came easy to him. Because of his natural ability, he wanted 
to use his skills to gain knowledge. And he thought with that knowledge, he would gain fame and riches and a a beautiful wife. Now, we know that Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, why did Jesus say that? Because the tendency of people to trust in their riches and not in the true living God. How much the same can occur when a highly intelligent person, such as Augustine, thought that his own cleverness, his own ability, his own know-how to figure things out would just help him sail by life. In 1 Corinthians, it says, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Knowledge meaning a deeper, more perfect knowledge. Puffs up, self-inflated, arrogant, and proud. That describes Augustine perfectly. So, at about the age of 11, his parents saw how gifted he was. They saved money, and they sent him to Madura. Madura was just about 20 miles south of that green star. He was there for four years. He was excelling, learning rhetoric. But then after about four years, they, they ran out of funds, and he had to return home to Carthage. While he was home, he was a typical teenager, about 16 years old, disobedient to his parents, started doing just sinful things. And one recorded in Confessions was that he stole pears. And he he stole them just for the fun of it. It wasn't because the pears were beautiful. It wasn't because they needed the pears. It was just for the pleasure of stealing something and having the fun of it. After they stole the pigs, they might have taken a few bites, but then they threw them at pigs. So he really started like thinking, like, I can do anything and get away with anything. He also started having a, a sexual awakening where, you know, oh, you know, I'm going to start experimenting. At age 17, a generous fellow citizen of Thagagius uh, paid for Augustine to continue, continue his education. The, 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 the rich guy probably said his name was Romanius. probably said, this guy is just wasting his time. Let me pay the money for him to go to school. And at that time, he went to Carthage, which is about 150 miles away. It's that first circle on the bottom there. At Carthage... He calls it in his journal or uh, in Confessions a cauldron of illicit loves. He kept company with a coarse group of friends which called themselves the Wreckers. And the Wreckers would, just typical bullies, they would uh, you know, beat up students, they would uh, go to the theater uh, to see... Um, um, uh, gladiators and, and sexually explicit um, acts in the theater. And Augustine would, would go, and then he started feeling bad about it. But he, you know what he, he says? You know, I'm going to go, and I'm just going to close my eyes. And then one time when he was there, the, the noise of the crowd was, was so uh, loud, he, he, had, he opened his eyes to see what was happening. And he said the sword that pierced the soldier or the sword that pierced the other guy and killed him went right through his own soul in his own mind. He he reflected um, in confessions of how people go to the theater and they watch people that they feel scared, they feel happy, they feel all kind of emotions 
of things that they wouldn't want to happen to them. And he was kind of puzzled at that. Also, at um, shortly after that, his father dies. And when his father dies, Monica is so happy that her husband finally becomes a Christian. So she tells Augustine, you know, your father converted to Christianity. He was baptized right before he died. Augustine was, was like, basically pushes her away and says he was a terrible husband. And, and now he becomes a Christian. At that point, Augustine openly and fully rejected the God of his mother. Augustine describes the Bible as unworthy of his time, shallow, not very deep in meaning. Why? Because Augustine was becoming a scholar. Later, he would write, he loved beautiful words and ideas, and when he read the scripture, he saw them as unworthy in comparison to what he was learning. He would also write that he was puffed up with pride, I considered myself a mature adult. At 18, while in a student in Carthage, he reads the Hortensius by Cicero. Cicero was a, a statesman, a lawyer, a scholar, a philosopher, writer. He was an academic skeptic, but he was a great orator also. And he had, Cicero had a friendly rival with Hortensius. And, and in this book, when um, Augustine got his hands on it, he read it and he just loved the way Cicero described things. And Augustine says that after he read that book, his life was altered. And Augustine started studying philosophy. Why? Because Cicero argues or he concludes in his book that the pursuit of philosophy is the most important endeavor in life. The pursuit of philosophy, the most important endeavor in life. The Bible would say the opposite. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and power. Shortly after his dabbling with philosophy, he starts becoming a hero of Manichaeism. Now, Manichaeism is founded on a guy named Mani in Persia, modern-day Iran, in the 3rd century. He took little elements of Babylonian religion, Judaism, Christianity, and he put it in this hodgepodge mixture and named it after himself. He proclaimed that he was the the Holy One, the paraclete sent by Jesus, the one that Jesus promised. He was that one in the flesh. At the core of Manichaeism, salvation is offered through special knowledge. Remember, knowledge puffs up. This system was based on the concept of good versus evil, light versus darkness. Monica, Monica often begged, often begged the, the local priest to speak to him. And the priest said, he, he's too proud. And she would beg, he's too arrogant. And she would beg with tears in her eyes. And he said, he tells her, he goes, look, I too followed Manichaeism. And once I started studying it, I came out of it. But she just kept on begging him. And then he tells her, he says to her, As you live, it is impossible that the son of such tears should perish. 
As you live, it is impossible that the son of such tears should perish. When she heard those words from the priest, she took it as a, a message from God, like a prophecy. Now, she told Augustine that, and, and like he, he laughed. She also told Augustine that she had this vision. This was a vision. And in this vision, there was a ruler, and she was on one side of the ruler, and Augustine was on the other. And they were separated by these lines because they were in different places. She was in Christianity and he was in Manichaeism. But she said in this vision, she saw Augustine standing next to her. And she told Augustine that. And Augustine once again laughed. And he said, Mom or Mother, you, that means you are going to be standing with me. And and. And Augustine, in his own book, Confession, said that his mother quickly corrected him and said, no, you will be standing next to me. Now, you got to remember about Monica. Chances are she was unschooled, okay? She didn't have any education at all. But what Monica had was faith. Sadly, Augustine was in Manichaeism for nine to ten years, going down that way. But because he was a great thinker, he started asking questions that the leaders couldn't answer. So they they told him, they said, you know what? Um, Faustus is going to answer you. He meets the Manichaean bishop. Faustus. Oh, when Faustus comes, he's going to answer all your questions. So he's anticipating this great rendezvous with with Faustus. On the day that he meets Faustus, he realized that Faustus didn't have all the answers. Even though he was an elegant speaker because he spoke all the time, he he couldn't answer his questions. And then even Faustus said to him, Augustine, maybe I can learn from you, you know, things on literature. Shortly thereafter, at about the age of 28, Augustine was disillusioned with Manichaeism. And he ends up getting restless with Rome, and, or, or he gets restless with Cartridge, and he wants to move to Rome. And while in Rome, he moves there to advance his career, He leaves Carthage during the night and doesn't tell his mother. He kind of sneaks off without telling her because she was going to go with him. And he breaks breaks her heart. He leaves. She stays back. She's devastated. And now he's working in Rome. While he's in Rome, he gets noticed by a Roman uh, government official. And man, this guy's really talented. So they send him an opportunity to work for an emperor in Milan. So now he's in Milan working for an emperor in a very highfalutin position. And while he's there, he meets the bishop of Milan called Ambrose. Now, Ambrose was uh, like 20, 30 years older than Augustine, and he had studied Neoplatonism, which had to do with the study of the philosophy of, of Plato. So he was well-versed in psychology and also well-versed in the Bible. And he was a great speaker. So when Augustine would listen to him speak, he was so impressed that this guy really you know, knew philosophy, he knew the Bible, and, and he, he wanted to meet him. He wanted to, like, come and, and sit down and ask him questions. See, that was one of the things that Augustine loved about learning, was not so much the lecture, but the, but the discourse. He loved the Socrates, um, oh, my goodness, Socrates, um, you know Socrates, right? Add IT at the end, right? Uh, psych- I want to say psychotic, right? Um, 
He loved that method. He loved that method of learning where it was discourse, right? Where you could ask questions and go deeper and deeper into, into a subject. So he wanted to meet Ambrose to do that. But the lines were long. It was hard, it was hard for him to go see him. While he's there, he finally gets to meet Ambrose. And Ambrose, and they have a, like a, just a little discussion. And Ambrose, and he tells Ambrose, if only man, if only man could ever find truth. And Ambrose quickly replies, no, Augustine, man doesn't find truth. It's truth that finds the man. And, and Augustine is just like reflecting on that. If only a man can find truth is what he says, but uh, uh, Ambrose replies, no, Augustine, man doesn't find truth. It's truth that finds a man. Monica arrives. Monica arrives. And she tries to arrange a marriage. Immediately when... When Monica gets there, the first thing he says is, hey, uh, you know, I'm no longer following Manny. And, like, she's happy about that, but she's not satisfied because he's not a, a Christian. So she says to him, you know what? You have to, you have to get rid of your concubine. And I probably left that out of the story, but he, at, at 17, he became a father. He started living with, with a girl for almost 15 years. He couldn't marry her because she was of a lower class and they couldn't marry at the lower class. So she went there and said, you know what, you have to get rid of the concubine, you have to marry another uh, Christian girl. So she arranged the marriage for him and then they sent his, his lover of 15 years away and Augustine was left with his son. So all this was happening, he's trying to seek truth, Searching for truth, his heart is broken, his lover gets uh, sent back to Africa, and now his mom's arranging him with another marriage. The marriage that she's arranging him, though, the girl was not old enough to marry. She was 11 years old. So he had to wait until she became of age, which was like two years. Now, I know it seems funny at that age, right? But back then, people didn't live as long. So the, the girls were getting married a lot younger. Augustine, though, because of his lustful desires, he couldn't wait for the marriage. And once his concubine left, he got another, he got another lover. And this is all written in, in confessions as he's confessing uh, his sins. But back to Ambrose. Ambrose was just making him really rethink Christianity, rethink the Bible. There's a, a movie that I'm going to recommend called Augustine Restless Hearts. Augustine Restless Hearts. It's a three-hour movie, so it is a long movie. You can watch it absolutely free on, on, uh, on uh, YouTube. In that movie, there's a scene that depicts the, almost the climax of Augustine coming to faith. I, faith, I said almost. Augustine, with the other officials, goes to the church where Ambrose is, and they basically tell him the emperor is going to shut it down. You've you got to close up. And, and, and um, Bishop Ambrose says, you have no authority here, none whatsoever. This is the house of God. Just get out of here. And, and, and um, Augustine and the other guy that was with him were kind of shaken with the, how firm he was. And they basically gave him the order. And he, he, uh, Ambrose says, anything else? Get, get out of here. Get out of here. This is God's house. And as they were leaving, Ambrose calls back Augustine. And Augustine stood there, and Augustine respected him. And he says, uh, Augustine, you seek truth. Truth 
man does not find truth, but truth finds a man. And that man is Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord. And those words just penetrated so deep into Augustine that now he's under that fig tree. And he's, he's sitting there and he's just contemplating everything he's learned in life back from Moderna to Carthage to Rome in Milan. Everything he studied is just trying to figure it out and he just can't figure it out. It's not making any sense to him. He's with one of his friends, a good friend of his. I try to pronounce his name, but I'm not even going to go there. Um, He's with one of his friends, and they're both just so upset. Augustine tells his friend, let me me just go a little ways away from you. And he goes away, and he's laying on the ground, and he's crying. And he's just like, God, just help me understand this. I can't understand none of this. And all of a sudden, he hears what he believes is like children singing Take up and read. Take up and read. Take up and read. And he's like, I, I, what, what game is that? I never heard that game. I've never heard that song. What is it? And then all of a sudden he's like, it's God. He's God speaking to me. So he ran back to his friend, which they, they had a, a Bible with him. And, 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 and as the proverbial pages were, were, were blowing with the wind, it stopped. And this is what it stopped on right here. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. To walk properly, honestly, in a decent manner. In the day, abstain from the vices of crime at night. Not in reverie, not drunken or to honor um, idols of the time. in lewdness, cohabiting or sexual intercourse, with lust, not in filthy wantedness, not in strife, quarreling, debating, not in envy, coveting in mind, but in conjunction, but the greatest conjunction, contrasting, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And in his mind, he was thinking I was doing all of that. Everything that I'm not supposed to do, I was doing. My, my whole life was with, with drunkenness, lewdness, lust, strife, envy, striving. Augustine was deeply, deeply convicted. When, when, I, when I hear his testimony, I'm reminded of this verse in the Old Testament. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Wherever you turn to the right hand or wherever you turn to the left. So this genius, this intellect, didn't find God through research. He didn't find God through knowledge. He didn't find God through studying commentaries or philosophy he found God through a still small voice telling him to pick up and read pick up and read shortly thereafter he's baptized he resigns his position as a a orator in, in Milan and he wants to move back to the Gaste, basically just with a couple of friends and 
to set up a, a monastery where they could just have quiet time, not talk anymore, study the scripture, study the Bible. Monica's going to come back with him. She's getting sick, though, and it looks like she's not going to make it. Her goal was she wanted to be buried in the Gosti next to her husband, and but she wasn't going to be able to. So Monica, very faithful, she tells Augustine, it's okay, you can, you can bury me here in, in, in Milan, and it's actually in the Rome area because they traveled down to get on the ship. You can bury me here. And he goes, no, Mom, I, I want to get you back there. She goes, you know what? Bury me here. The Lord is, will know where to find my body. And it's just her, her faith was just amazing. Augustine moves back to the Gaste for a tranquil life of prayer and study and to establish that monastery. Soon, his son dies, and his son at that time was 17 years old, and his close friend dies, and that kind of shook him, and he felt restless, and he wanted to go to the coast of uh, the port city of Hippo, uh, which is about 60 miles uh, north of the Gaste. He just wanted to go there, you know, maybe to see if he could set another monastery there. And while he was there and he was visiting a church on that Sunday, Bishop Valerius was describing the urgent need for leaders to defend the, heretic, uh, the heretics um, that were bringing up false doctrine against the church. The whole congregation saw that Augustine was there and that he's very, very smart, and he can help, and without even him wanting it, they, they ordained him immediately as a priest. Two years later, the general council of, of Hippo met Augustine. He spoke so clearly and elegantly about faith that they thought it was unusual for an ordinary priest to preach to bishops in this manner. Two years later, they ordained him as the assistant bishop of Hippo. And two years after that, the bishop died, and then he became the bishop. But the bishop before him warned about heretical teachings and that they were lurking on the end. Now, the first thing he did was set, to set out to debunk Manichaeism, and he did that pretty easily. But the next two problems were internal, within the Christian faith, which made it a little more difficult. Now, there's two that were the most prevalent, and the Donatist controversy, which is named after the leading bishop, and basically what this controversy was about was they believed in a strict appliance of the law, no grace. And they would be brutal to people that, that sinned. And Augustine had sinned so much, he knew that God was full of grace. And he fought this back um, pr pretty hard. The next, but, okay. So, he, Scripture actually defends this without man getting involved. The Bible clearly says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this in itself would debunk the Donovist, you know, feeling that everybody's got to be perfect. Everybody can't be perfect. 
The, the uh, next controversy is Pelagius' controversy, named after another bishop, that he didn't believe that man sinned. He believed Adam sinned, but he didn't believe that that sin was passed down. Augustine believed that, no, that the sin was passed down. If you pollute the, the top of a body of water, the pollutants run down. And Augustine believed that, and he wrote a lot about it. But they believed that the wickedness of man, predestination, and, and, and man had choice. Once again, the Bible will clearly say Therefore, just as one man, talking about Adam, sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. See, the Bible clearly debunked the different heresies that were coming up. But Augustine wrote so much about each one. Now, why do these controversies matter? I'm going to read a, a quote because early on in Augustine's life, I, I said that he wrote a lot and people wanted to hear what he had to say. At the time when, when he wrote, there was no Protestant church, okay? Pro, the Protestant church didn't come on the scene for a thousand years later. So the only church at the time was the Catholic Church. Catholic Church. And but people always wanted to know what he thought because he was so smart and so educated. So he wrote so much. Therefore, his thoughts and writings on these subjects mattered. Those topics also had a profound impact on both the Protestant and the Catholic theologies. I'm, I'm going to read this quote from Got Questions. If you've ever been to Got Questions before, you can go there and just type in, who is Augustine? And, and here's a quote from this. I'm going to read. Augustine was, Augustine, who was himself highly influenced by the works of Cicero, Virgil, and Aristotle, also himself uh, exerted an influence on secular philosophers such as Kierkegaard and Nietzsche. Also, referring to Augustine, his work strongly affected the ideology of such church figures as Thomas Aquinas and Bernard of Clairfax. Later, reformers such as Martin Luther and a thousand years later, Martin Luther was an Augustinian monk. John Calvin looked to Augustine for inspiration. Just bear with me. Many modern reformers, many modern reformed theologians still look to him as a key source of their writings. Much of the reformed doctrine, especially in relation to predestination, origin of sin, and the bondage of the will and what we know about grace has been attributed to the work of Augustine. Paradoxically, I'm still reading the quote, Roman Catholicism has also gleaned much from Augustine's writings, so much so that he is sometimes called the father of Roman Catholicism. His contributions to the Catholic doctrine include the, the necessity of infant baptism, the perpetual virginity of Mary, and the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. The problem I see is that the early church looked to Augustine for answers about the Bible and not the true source, which is the Bible. It's kind of like the times where you see the disciples wondering, what did Jesus say? What, did, what was he talking about? And, and Jesus is right there instead of just like asking like a follow-up question. 
Let me review what I just read. Augustine's writings, his work strongly affected the ideologies of several church figures. Reform leaders such as Martin Luther, John Calvin looked to Augustine for inspiration. Strongly affected inspiration. Many modern Reformed theologians still look to him as a key source for their own writings. Much of the Reformed doctrine, predestination, original sin, free will, grace, I just read that all, has been attributed to the work of Augustine. Roman Catholicism gleaned much from Augustine's writings. Infant baptism, uh, perpetual virginity of Mary, real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, purgatory, no uh, millennial reign of Christ. I added those two. They're not in this, this quote, but that's what they believe. I'm going to go back to the verse, the Bible answer that I said in the very beginning. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy of empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of this world and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and power. There's so many verses in the Bible that instructs us, encourages us to read the Bible. With my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And we could go on and on with scriptures that encourage us in his word. I have to say uh, this, though. The older Augustine is different than the younger Augustine. At the end of his life, while he was in the city of Hippo, the town was being overrun by vandals. He wrote his last book, which he didn't complete, called Retractions. And he was going through and making corrections, and I think I might be misunderstood here, and he was going back and reflecting on everything. He never got to finish that work. And I think even if Augustine was alive today, some of his opinions would probably have changed. I have nothing against Augustine. I, I, you know what? He, he did so much when it comes to um, pulling the scriptures, picking it apart. I, and I, and I want to be able to do the same thing. But I also want to be like a Berean where I want to search the scriptures daily to see if it's so. The younger was outspoken, the younger was more confident, the older was more reflective, the older was more, was more humble. And I guess that's the natural way that it should be. Now, lessons that I've learned from this study, from Augustine's life, is I want to study the Bible. Commentaries are good but I want to study the Bible. I can look at a commentary, but I always got to go back to the Bible. I I know a lot of people that just study commentaries, but I I want to study the Bible. I want to study all the scriptures. I I want to know that we we need to know that we have limited knowledge. God's ways are higher than our ways. We, We can't fully understand him. But I do want to be aware of worldly philosophies. I do want to be aware of traditions of men. This is the Bible verse that I I want to leave you with right now is beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the 
basic principles of this world and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and I do thank you for the life of uh, Augustine and all that he did uh, for church history, for the Catholic Church and for the Protestant Church. I, I do thank you for his, his studies, his writings, and, and all that he did. And I thank you so much, Father, for your word, which is always true, that is pure, that is right. And and you said, Lord, purify them in your word. Your word is truth. And, And even today, Father, I pray that your word would just permeate each one of our hearts and our minds. We would just crave your word more than ever before. We would desire just to know your word, memorize your word, walk in your truth, pray over your scriptures. That we'd be like the Bereans and we'd search your word daily to see if these things were so and when people tell us different things. Father, I... thank you for who you are and and I'm not sure and I'm probably a Wednesday night everybody here is a Christian but maybe not and if there's somebody here that has never surrendered never given their life to Christ maybe you're like Augustine and you're searching and looking for answers and all the wrong places Right now, if you would just cry out like he cried out and put on Jesus Christ and walk in his truth, that's all you have to do. Nothing fancy, just in your heart of hearts, just say, I surrender. I surrender. Please, Father, forgive me of my sins. Enter into my heart and my life. Help me to understand you and not the philosophies of this world, but your truth, your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.